0: Galatians chapter, chapter 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Galatians 3. The Lord's timing is perfect, isn't it? Is he ever late? No, he's never late. I'm I'm saying that because our lease expires this year on this place, and it's just kind of cool how God's timing is just... He always has provided everything for this ministry, and uh, everything we've done has been born out of prayer. So, pretty stoked to see what the Lord would have for us including this morning. I'm so excited. This is such a good chapter. You guys ready? Lord, we thank you so much. Um, You're so good. So great, so greatly to be praised. We trust that um, the songs have blessed your heart this morning. That you've been honored, that your name has been hallowed. And Lord, as we open our hearts to you now, that you would minister to us and meet us. Thank you for how you love us and cherish us, and for how you nourish us. We are in desperate need of your nourishment, a fresh work of your spirit this morning. And so we commit this time to you now. We thank you for the great things you're going to do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So is doctrine important? It is, isn't it? What well, we believe, it's It's super crucial. Um, We need to be rooted in the Word of God, you guys, to know the Word of God, not only to know the Word of God, but to know the God of the Word, um, because our practice flows from our doctrine, what we believe. We we practice what we believe. We practice what we believe, and uh, the rest we pay lip service to, really, and that's what it kind of comes down to or boils down to. And so doctrine, teaching, knowing what God's word says is super crucial. I'm bringing that up because we've come to a doctrine portion um, of this book in chapters three and four. Paul is going to go into teaching mode concerning the grace of God. Is anybody grateful for God's grace this morning's amazing grace, his kindness, his favor, his goodness? We don't deserve it but he lavishes his grace upon us. And the, church that he, the churches that Paul is writing to in that area of Galatia, they had moved away from grace. In fact, they moved into a, a place in their walk with, with God, into a place of, of following rules and trying to relate to God uh, with an Old Testament kind of style um, approach, a religious approach to God by trying to keep rules and, and, and do the things in the law. And we've learned that that is, is uh, really, it's a no-no. We can't keep the rules. We fall short, that we need a fresh work of God's spirit changing us from the inner core of our being, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and so Paul writing to these people that he loves, that he cares about, um, and he's writing, it's interesting as we read this um, the church, remember these people that he's writing to, he's the one who went and introduced them to Jesus. On his first missionary journey, he traveled to this area, right? He he had some kind of illness, some kind of problem with his eyes. And that's what brought him to this place in Galatia. And he began to preach the gospel and share the word of God. And what happened? People got saved. People got radically born again. Lives changed. People set free. God provided the supernatural, as Paul shared. And these churches were birthed out of that time when Paul was there. And then eventually Paul left. And what happened when Paul left? Why did, the, why did these churches get in so much trouble? Why, why did they drift so far away from the simplicity of the gospel and walking with Jesus? Well, there was a, a group of people called Judaizers. And uh, what they did, they were false teachers. And they would follow Paul around. And wherever Paul would plant a church, after he left, they would creep in and they would begin to teach and to influence the people in the church, saying, it's great that you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, but Jesus was a Jew, therefore you also must become a Jew. You must become circumcised. You must follow the law, the dietary restrictions, the traditions. Is that good news, by the way? Is that good news, you guys? No. No. And they were saying, you can't be saved unless you do this stuff. And that's nonsense. It is by grace you are saved through faith, correct? It's not by works, not by our efforts, not by our religious duties, our moral efforts, our church membership, our rituals, baptism—anything else? No, it's by grace through faith. It's—it's it's so important to grasp that because there are churches today that will lead you astray. They say it's great that you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you also need to speak in tongues; otherwise, you're not saved. Anybody ever heard that before? There's teach, there's churches that teach that unless you become part, unless you have a church membership. You can't be saved. You're not really saved. You're not really a Christian. There's a bunch of different rules and things that people add to the gospel, and that's not good news. And so these people, these precious people are being led astray, and Paul is trying to help them see clearly to get back on track. And I'm so glad he does, because he asks a series of questions in the first uh, five verses. First five verses there are six questions, and they are rhetorical questions. Paul is not looking for answers himself but he wants the listeners to think this through. Paul wants, Paul wants us this morning to think this through for ourselves, to recognize exactly who the Lord is and what he's done in our lives and what he wants to do in our lives. And so let's check it out. Chapter 3, verse 1, let's begin here. God's word says, Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? "...before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain?" If indeed it was in vain, therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And just by way of reminder, again, the Apostle Paul was invested in their lives he shared the gospel with them. He knew the story, the supernatural work that God had done in their lives. He's not asking, trying to get information. He knows the answers to these questions. And let me draw your attention to verse 1. Paul calls them what? Foolish. It literally means you're just plain stupid. is that interesting? It says that. Can you say stupid in church? I just did. That's what the word means. Or, or you are engaging in folly or foolishness. And he asks the question, who has bewitched you? Which person or persons has bewitched you, has cast you under a spell, cast an evil spell upon you? Who has captivated you that you can't think or even act right? And it says the Galatians problem right there in that verse. Look what it says, that they were not obeying the truth. They were disobedient. They made a willful decision to depart from the truth. Does that happen today? Does that happen today, you guys? It does, doesn't it? In fact, Paul warned, um, Paul warns us, he warned um, Timothy. If you're taking notes, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, last days, some will depart from the faith. Why? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So not only was it going on back then, but listen, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says that's going to happen in the last days also. People will depart from the faith. And so Paul is saying to them, you need to see this for what it is. It's demonic. It's seduction. In fact, again, the word bewitched also means under demonic seduction. And there is a lot of pressure for Christians to abandon their faith. There's a lot of pressure, guys, for that. What are you allowing to influence your life this morning? What influences are you allowing? Is the Bible, is your Bible the most important influence in your life? I hope it is. I pray it is. For some of you, I only get to see you once a week. And you know when you come here, you're going to be taught the word of God. For some of you all, you come twice, three times, maybe even more, and you know you're going to get fed the Word of God. But it's interesting. There's been people that have come for years. They sit under the teaching of God's Word, and then all of a sudden you don't see them, and it's like, where are they? Now they're chasing after some wind of doctrine. Why? Because the Bible says that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. What will happen? They will heap up teachers to themselves that will what? Will tell them things that they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. And I would point out that's pretty heavy because he speaks about it being demonic seduction, being pulled away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, maybe you've seen people teach like that or heard people like that. You're listening to the Bible study or listening to the preaching or that whatever the guy's doing, he's he's sharing, and it's like night, it's like. It's truth, 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 and then all of a sudden, a little zinger gets thrown in there—a little lie—and then it's back to the truth, 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 and then another little zinger, and it's a lie. And so it's like ninety-eight percent truth and two percent lie. And you know, and there are some people that you know what they say. I just eat the meat and spit out the bones. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? The problem is, what if I gave you? So you came to my house for a month, and I gave you ninety-eight percent red meat and 2% rat poison in your burger. How would you do after a while? You're gonna, well, I got an iron stomach. Not for that long. You're gonna wipe out. That's why it's important that we measure everything with the word of God. We test everything with the word of God. And so I love it though, hearing that people are walking in the truth. I can relate to John, when he said in Third John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I understand that. It's like, oh, hallelujah. Because there's some of you I know are going through hardship, going through difficulty, and that you're steadfast in the faith, you're pressing on, you're persevering, you're holding on to Jesus, but ultimately he's holding on to you. And you're not, you're not caving in, you're not giving in, and, it's, and it is hard. Listen, it's not easy to be a Christian sometimes. Are you with, anybody with me on that? <laughs> it's not easy sometimes. But we need to look to the Lord, to look to his help. He will help you, to strengthen you. But don't give in to those doctrines of demons. In fact, it's interesting what Paul says in the second half of this verse. He says, listen, you've all seen the picture. It's been presented to you of our Lord and Savior and his work on the cross. He's been clearly portrayed among you as crucified. It's been, there's been a, a vivid painting for you. It's interesting, that word clearly portrayed It speaks of a a sign that's put up somewhere for everybody to read. Remember, in those days, there was no uh, mass printing. And so a sign would be put up so everybody could look and read. And that's what Paul did when he came to these churches. Or he came to Galatia before the churches were planted. And what did he do? He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He didn't preach Jesus crucified plus rules plus getting circumcised. He simply came and shared the gospel simply with the people. And so it was clear, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, when I was there, when you were, you were under my influence. You were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what you believed. But now what are you doing? Who is pulling you away From that simplicity, in fact, in verse 2, look what he says with me. He says this one thing, this, this is only, help me understand something. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How do you receive the Spirit, you guys? By keeping rules? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping rules? By the hearing of faith, correct? How were you sealed with the Holy Spirit? Because you were so good... Did you get sealed with the Holy Spirit because you were such a good person? Anybody here? Hopefully, that's a big no. Was it because of your your moral perfection, your religious efforts? Is that how you got the Holy Spirit? What happened? Listen, you came to God with nothing. I came to God with nothing. And we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We placed our trust in him. And what did he do? He placed the Holy Spirit within us. Anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit this morning? our helper, our comforter, the one who leads us and guides us into all truth, the one that does, that does the marvelous work within our hearts and our lives. Paul had to remind the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter one of this work, he said, in him, speaking of Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the Lord put the Holy Spirit within us when we trusted, when we trusted in him, not because we're good, not because you and I were good, good persons getting gooder and gooder, but because he is good and he is gracious and he's given us the Holy Spirit Paul knew that. He's reminding the church It says in verse three, are you so foolish? Are you that stupid? You're, you having begun your spiritual journey, it began with the Holy Spirit. Are you now gonna take it upon yourself to complete the work of God in your own strength? Have you guys ever tried to do that? To do the work of God in your own strength. Try to, make, try to fix yourself. Anybody here ever try to fix themselves? How about, have you ever tried to fix others? Don't be lying in church. (laughs) We do that, don't we? It begins in the Spirit, though. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. When we do that, you're taking taking upon yourself God's role. Can you do a better job than the Holy Spirit? I love this reminder. Listen to this. Let this Let this just wash over you this morning. Paul reminded the church of Philippi, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That should take all the pressure off of us. We come with nothing. We recognize our need for our Savior, for Jesus. And what happens? A miracle happens. You put your trust in Him. And what happens? Miracle, miracle. God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our hearts. And he begins this work, doesn't he? Does he begin to change us? Not a trick question. Are you guys, do, Does he change us, you guys? Listen, if there hasn't been a change in your life, then there hasn't been a change. And if there hasn't been a change, then there hasn't been a change. It is impossible for the Holy Spirit to come into your life and there be no change at all. There's going to be a change. And the longer we walk with him, what begins to happen? He changes us more and more, doesn't he? We don't fix ourselves, we don't get a guru, we don't go see a get psycho babble. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me this morning? I I know I know one one way I'm saved. I drop a dumbbell on my foot now and it's not bleep 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 bleep. It's not but it's also not praise the Lord. It felt so good. Thank you. I'm not there yet. You get what I'm talking about? Like there's changes that happen in your life that you can't take credit for, I can't take credit for it. It's the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying to them here, listen, you trusted the Lord and he began this glorious supernatural process shaping you and molding you to the image of Jesus Christ. Isn't that glorious? In fact, um, the word made perfect means completed. It speaks of the sanctification process. Being made, sanctification means being made holy or Christ-like. Again, it's a lifelong process. I just read that verse from Philippians 1. He who has begun that work in you will complete it. He's going to do it. Isn't that great? So that pro, this process is fueled and powered by God. He is the potter, we are the clay. Is that correct? Make sure we got our roles right this morning. He is the potter, we are the clay, and he's molding and he's shaping us. And no religious works can do that. No following rules can do that. Only the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit can do that in your life and in my life. It is the Spirit of God who who not only sanctifies us, but he completes us and changes us. The problem is sometimes we try to add little rules and, and, and little things to, in our own lives, little things we need to follow in order to make ourselves right or to fix ourselves. And the problem is it, it, it creates a burden. It makes you weary. It's legalism is what it is. It'll wear you out. There's no joy in that. But there's joy in simply walking with Jesus day after day, looking unto him, being transformed by the renewing of our minds as we get into the word of God and allow the word of God to get in to us it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts you guys remember when that was said Do you remember when God said that you guys remember when God said that in the book of Zechariah it's amazing because I know some of you guys are dealing with issues this morning and it, and it feels like a mountain in front of you it's huge The children of Israel got taken captive by the, which people? Second time was the, who? Babylonians. Three waves. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Right? Took them into Babylon. They went for a timeout. Right? God said, you can't behave in my house. You're out of here. I'm going to put you in a timeout. For how long? 70 years. God said, in 70 years, I'm going to bring you back into the land. Does God keep his promises? Sure did. First wave that came back, they came back. We read the book of Ezra. They came back to rebuild the temple. You guys remember that? They start building awesome work. They're rejoicing. It's killer, right? And then all of a sudden, they start to get some static. They start to get harassed. Things get a little bit tough. And what do they do? They bail out. They quit doing the work on the house of God, and they go build their own houses, right? Right? and god god and it was 15 years the house of god just was just not finished they just left it like that and then god brought onto the scene haggai and a prophet named zechariah to come alongside the people to encourage and to challenge them and when god said that he said he said to zechariah He said to Zechariah, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see this this great mountain in front of you? Before before you, Zerubbabel, it's going to become like a plane. And when I do it, you're going to be shouting, Grace, grace. That's beautiful. Because again, some of us have mountains in front of us. And God says, I'm going to make that a plane. But you need to give God time to work. Are you willing to give God time to work? Some of us aren't. Just like, I want it now. I I need to get get her done now. And the Lord's saying, you know what? I'm working on like four or five other things right now. We're going to get to this mountain. And when it's done, it's not going to be by your power or by your strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And you will say, wow, look at God's amazing grace. 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 God, you're so awesome. You did it. You did that work in my life. And so, look at verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, have you experienced all that pain for nothing? Was it really for nothing? And again, he's saying you suffered for your faith in Jesus Christ. You put your trust in Jesus, you declared yourself as a Christian, and all of a sudden, what happened? Pain accompanied your profession. And, and by the way, that's part of our vocation, isn't it, as Christians? Is that part of our calling as Christians? It's not, I know it's not, like, we don't, like, put, like, that on our, our wall, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's not, like, one of our favorite promises, correct? Is it part of the deal? Is it part of the deal, isn't it? Suffering, pain. I mean, we've suffered, we suffer, we... We put up with pain and suffering with other things, don't we, though? Anybody ever get their teeth worked on? Get your grill fixed? You put up with pain, don't you? Correct? Some of you guys are going to be starting maybe, I don't know about here, New Year's resolutions, get in shape, little pain, suffering, right, in the gym for a while, then you'll quit after a couple months because you've tried to do the work of the Spirit in, the, in your own strength. though. Know. It's interesting. Remember when Paul went to Galatia, it was the, it was the religious Jews that, that stoned him, that stirred up the people to hurt him. It was the religious Jews that followed him around and brought pain into his life. And now you have these whole groups of churches wanting to go wanting to turn from a simple love relationship with Jesus to adding Judaism to their Christianity, adding religion. And Paul knows what happens. Religion, religion, religiosity creates monsters. He was a religious monster. And he's like, listen, man, now you want to become like them? You've gone through all this suffering for bearing the name of Jesus? Now you want to become like these guys that are causing, inflicting the pain on you? And I would say this morning, can I just encourage you, God doesn't waste anything, including our pain and suffering. Did you guys know that? No? no, wait, No? Do you guys know that? Romans 8. You guys know these verses. And we know that some things work together for good. Is that what it says? We know that a majority of things work together for good. Is that what it says? And we know that 85% of things work together for good. Is that what it says? You guys know this verse? And we know, do you know this? That all things work together for work together for. Good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you guys catch that? Because I know there's some people that sit here and say, "Oh, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. The suffering, the pain, and you're probably right, I don't. But here's what I do know is that whatever's going on in your life, God is using all of it to conform you and I to the image of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing greater than becoming more like him. Are you with me? That's why embrace whatever it is. Embrace it and say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you, Lord, that you're going to mold and shape me, that no matter what you're allowing, the people you're... You guys ever have weird people in your life? Does God ever bring it weird, hard people, difficult people? Maybe you're the difficult person. No. God's not wasting it. You're like, yeah, Pastor, God brought you into my life. You're a weirdy. <laughs> Praise God, because He uses everybody. We need to embrace the process. Say, okay, I'm down, Lord. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Who who make who uh... so think about that with me. Who controls the speed of the wheel? Does the clay? Does the clay control the speed of the wheel? All right, here we go. Crank it up, man. The clay do that? Who does it? The potter does. Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? Do you know who's got the speed of the wheel right now? Because they do that thing. See that? They press that little thing down. What's that thing called? A pedal? And what happens? What happens? And it's rolling, and sometimes it's going fast. Because doesn't it sometimes feel like life's going really fast? Like, man, it's out of control. Is it out of control? Not if you're on the potter's wheel, man. He's controlling the speed, and he's molding and shaping. Does the clay know what it's going to look like? See him still, ro- see it's still going? Pulling stuff out, shaping it, carving it. The the clay doesn't know what it's going to look like, but who does? The potter does. And what does he have in mind? What does the potter have in mind for you? The image of the sun. And his nail-scarred hands are the one molding and shaping you. That's the only thing that's going to be in heaven, by the way, that's man-made, is those scars on Jesus' hands to remind us of his love for us and that your life is in his hands this morning. You can rest in that no matter what's going on in your life. Do you trust him this morning? It's all about trusting the Lord. By the hearing of faith, I simply trust you, Lord. It's going to be okay. Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you, who supplies the Spirit to us? God does, thank you. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Does God do these things by you keeping rules? No, or simply believing him. Simply what? Believing him. I love that word supply. It means, it's in the Greek, epicoregeo. We get choreograph. Listen to what it means to richly supply everything an ancient chorus needed to be a grand production, to outfit everything needed to accomplish a grand objective. So, what does God do? He supplies the Spirit to you and me. Are we to be filled with the Spirit? Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or a waste, but be what? Filled. Who's the one who fills us? God does. He supplies the Spirit. Jesus said, John chapter 7, come to me and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, and he spoke concerning the spirit whom we would receive. Is that a description of your life this morning? Out of your heart is flowing rivers of living water. Remember when uh, God told Moses to strike the rock in the wilderness to provide water? Do you guys remember that? You guys remember that story? Children of Israel just came out of Egypt, no water. What were they doing? Were they rejoicing? They were grumbling, weren't they? We got no water. You brought us out here to kill us of thirst? What's going on, dude? That's a loose paraphrase, by the way. And Moses was like, what do I do? And God said, strike the rock, and what's going to come out? Water. And did it happen? That's at the beginning of the 40 years of wandering. Then at the end, we've got the second generation, the kids the chips chips off the old block the grumblers parents are gone passed off the scene the kids are on the scene now and guess what there's no water and what did they do? hey let's have a prayer meeting and see if, is that what they did? they started grumbling and complaining you brought us out here in the wilderness to kill us of thirst they sound just like their parents don't they? because that's, that's what happens when we grumble and complain who hears it? Who hears our grumbling and complaining? Parents, your neighbors, sometimes, your kids. Kids do, don't they? (laughs) And what did Moses do? Moses went, God said, come on, let's have a talk, Moses. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to to do what with the rock? To speak to the rock and I'm going to bring water. And what did Moses do? You guys remember? Grabbed his staff and did what? Him and Aaron, must we give you rebels water? I mean, he's ticked. Smacks the rock. How many times? Twice. And out comes, out comes what? Juice? What comes out? Water comes out. Thank you. Water comes out. Does God provide for the people? But then God says, Moses, Aaron, come here. We got to have a little talk. Right? Took him to the shed. Wood shed. Moses, you, you didn't sanctify me in their eyes. You didn't, you didn't hallow me in the people's eyes. Moses, you were mad at the people. I'm not mad at the people. And what was the consequence of that action? He couldn't go into the promised land. You see, he misrepresented God. That rock, we're told in Corinthians, was who? Jesus. And that rock is only meant, the rock was only meant to be smitten or crushed once. He died once for our sins, to provide us with living water, to provide us with forgiveness and the, the Holy Spirit. Now all we have to do is just ask. He, we don't need to smite the rock again and again and again. We simply ask, what do you mean by that? Jesus said, you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? So, what do we do? We say, Lord, fill me up. You supply the Spirit, you supply the supernatural. Look what it says God also supplies miracles, He demonstrates His power in our lives. It's not by keeping rules, it's not by following laws, it's simply by trusting. Do you trust the Lord this morning? If, if that's the case, then would you say to the Lord, Lord, fill me up, that out of my heart would flow rivers of living water. I mean, is that a description of your life? Because for years, for 28 years of my life, I was a drain and not a fountain. But once the Lord comes into your heart and he fills you up, and then aren't you glad God's into refills? And you come back and you ask to get filled up again. Why? Because we pour out. We leak also. We also leak, don't we? And we need to come back. He's made it so simple. Come back to me and drink. Be filled up. And you simply ask and you believe. You believe and receive. It's not by a word, it's not by the works of the law. It's simply by the hearing of faith. Lord, I hear you and I'm gonna follow through. I'm gonna walk in this thing. I trust you. And it's so glorious. What begins to happen? Your life becomes a refreshment to others. You become a human drinking fountain of refreshment. Because now out of your heart is flowing rivers of living water. Providing for others. And God does these special things, doesn't he? Look, he's reminding the church. Did he do these things by the works of the law? God does special things when we gather together, doesn't he, you guys? When we worship him, we experience his presence. Does, Does the Lord speak to your heart when you gather? Does the Lord speak to your heart? Does he bring healing? He does, doesn't he? Maybe it's not physical healing. Sometimes he does, and I love when he does that. But for some of us, some of you have experienced emotional healing or mental healing, and he's set you free. Some of you guys, I know you've struggled with different issues, and you know the Lord has set you free. We just sang it, didn't we? Something about that? If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. He sets us free, He liberates us, He does these things in our presence. On what basis does He do that? By us keeping rules? By the hearing of faith, simply believing Him. It's not because we're so dedicated, is it? That, that God's obligated to do stuff? Is that why? No, it's by His grace. It is by His grace. And so we step back and we see that. We see Him work in our lives. In fact, He wants to work this morning, you guys. Do you know that He wants to work in your life this morning? Do you remember when... Uh, Remember when they let down the paralytic from the roof? Do you guys remember that? You guys remember that story? Yeah. Right? Before that happened, the Pharisees were sitting in the front row. Jesus was giving a Bible study. That's why no one really sits in the front row. <laughs> that all the religious dudes are there. The Pharisees are chilling out. And it says, if you go back and read that story, it says the power of the Lord was there to heal them is that interesting? Did they need healing? They did, didn't they? What was the problem, though? What were they saying? We don't need no physician. I don't know if that's how they said it. We don't need no doctor. We're good. Those other people, those creeps, the tax collectors and the, the pimps and the prostitutes and the, you know, the people from that neighborhood, they need help. We, I don't need healing and it says the power of the Lord was there to heal them because they had so much pride. Listen, this morning, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And some of us, you're not willing to say, I have a problem. I need help. I'll keep trying this. I'll keep trying this book. I'll keep trying this guru. I'll keep trying this thing on the Internet. Because everything you read on the Internet is true, Correct. Or I need to get this, I need to go to this conference. I need to get this series of, of books. I need to do this. And the Lord's saying, I'm here with the power to heal you, to heal your marriage. Will you give it to me? Oh, it's a mountain before my eyes. That's what, exactly what God said. That mountain's going to be a plane. Give it to me. Give me time to work. Will you, give the, will you give it to the Lord to work? Trust him and give him time to work. Because it's by faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Our problem is the patience part, isn't it? No, nobody. Can you pray for me? That's our problem, isn't it? The patience part. We want to bail out. We want to. We want to throw in the towel because we don't. We want it now. We want it in our timing. But didn't I just ask a few minutes ago that God's timing is perfect? And everybody's like, "Amen." No. Is that a different Bible? Is that a different day? Is this timing perfect? Is he late? Is God ever late? Yes. Yes. Does he say yes? God's not late. He's never late. His timing's always perfect. Give him time to work. This is nothing new. God's God's been doing this since the very beginning, hasn't he? He's going to talk about Abraham. Was God's timing perfect with Abraham? God promised him a son. A few years start to tick by. Remember what he did? You promised me and Sarah a son, Lord, but ain't no son happening here. Honey, give me Hagar. Sarah actually offered. Why don't you take Hagar, my handmaid, and you can have the promised son with her? And what did Abraham say? Duh, okay. Listen, God didn't even recognize, well, didn't recognize him concerning the promises. Right? Because when, when God called Abraham to take Isaac up to Mount Moriah, he said, take your son, your only son. You see, that was a work of the flesh. That's what, that's what we produce when we do things in our own strength. We produce Ishmael's. But when Abraham waited upon the Lord, what was their son's name? Isaac, thank you, waited upon God's timing. Their bodies, remember what was going on with Abraham and Sarah? They're beyond reproductive possibilities. It had to be a work of God's Spirit, and they named their son Isaac, which means, you guys know what Isaac means? Laughter or joy. And isn't that what the work of the Spirit produces? It produces joy. It produces laughter. It's like, yes, Lord, you're so awesome. But the works, doing it in our own strength, it's burdensome. It's tiring. It wears us out. And so now, look what he does here. Look at the next verse. Look what happens with me. You guys still with me? You guys still with me this morning? You okay, okay. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for what? For righteousness, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, how? By faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing or faithful Abraham. So I love what Paul does here. He points to Abraham, the father of faith. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Is that how it goes? So let's all praise the Lord. Right foot, left arm, something like that. Is that how it goes? Making sure you're still with me this morning. Is that how it goes? Looks like that? Yeah. Just as Abraham, just like Abraham did what? He believed God. Simply trusted God. And what what was the result? It was his simple trust. God accounted, imputed, reckoned Abraham righteous. Free gift of righteousness given to Abraham. Why does Paul now go to Abraham here? Why does he bring this up? Because our friends, the Judaizers, remember who they were? The false teachers? They would be protesting about this time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Wait a minute. We're Abraham's sons. We're Abraham's descendants. We Jews have a distinct advantage because Abraham is our father. God made a covenant with Abraham, and he sealed it with the circumcision. That's why all these Christians need to be circumcised and keep the law. And what does Paul do? He goes beyond the law. He goes beyond Moses. He goes beyond circumcision. Circumcision is in Genesis 17. He goes all the way back to Genesis 15, by the way. And remember what happened there? Abraham had just rescued his nephew Lot. And God speaks to him and says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham's like, whoa, whoa, time out. I have no son. I have no, no, no heir to my to, to my." My fortune here, I have no one to pass this on to except for Eleazar of Damascus, who's not even my son, but he was born in my house. And God said, Abraham, come here, step outside, look up into the night sky, look at all those stars, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That's before any circumcision, before the law. It was all the way back. It's so glorious what Paul does here. And so Paul says, in light of that, know this. Look at verse 7. You must continually be aware of this, that only those who are trusting God are sons of Abraham. And again, the religious Jews, they prided themselves. They still do. They pride themselves as being from the, from the lineage of Abraham. In fact, remember when, when the Pharisees and Sadducees came out to John the Baptist? You guys remember that? Anybody remember that? How did, how did John greet them? Oh, it's so good to see you guys. Is that what he did? You cute little cuddly... You, you brood of vipers. You bunch of snakes. Can you imagine greeting the congregation that way? You brood of vipers. Who warned, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And don't think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father... Isn't that interesting? Because God is able to raise up children from, to Abraham from these stones. It's heavy. They're probably going, what, how does he know what we're thinking? <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what they trusted in, their bloodline. They felt that, you know what, every Jew, because you're from Abraham's lineage, you're saved. And the problem is, like we're told here, it's only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the Bible God declared, what? That Gentiles, non-Jews, as righteous by faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. Why? So that all of the wonder. look what it says, all of the wonderful blessings of God in Christ would be available to all people. That's so beautiful. God would, was foreseeing salvation ultimately for the Gentiles, not for people to convert to Judaism, but simply trust in Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles are saved alike by faith. This is nothing new. And then verse nine, those who have simply believed God are wonderfully blessed with faithful Abraham. Do you guys want to be blessed this morning? Do you guys want to be blessed? Did anybody come to church saying, I don't want to be blessed today? (laughs) Just don't really. You want to be blessed He tells us right there, those who are of faith are blessed to simply trust the Lord. Can we do that? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. But He is a rewarder. Listen, He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him and say, Lord, I trust You. I trust You. I trust You with my life, with my marriage, with my home, with my ministry, whatever it is, and say, Lord... I trust you. Can you say that this morning? That you trust the Lord to let him know. David did it throughout the Psalms. God, I trust you. The dude went through so many gnarly things in his life, didn't he? Didn't David go through gnarly stuff? Heavy. I mean, can you imagine being hunted down for a a dozen years? Your life on the line. And then your son trying to kill you also. Tracking you down, trying to kill you. Wipe you out. And you look as David writes those psalms as he goes through pain and suffering. And what comes out of that time, what's birthed out of that time is what is the psalms that we have. To encourage us and to challenge us and to bring comfort to our lives. What came out of that time was what was going on in his heart. And he embraced what was going on and said, God, I trust you. You deal, you deal with my enemies you take care of them. And I realize sometimes some of the things he said were a little rough, weren't they? Were they a little rough, you guys? Oh, yeah. Lord kicked their teeth in. I mean, can you imagine that as a worship song this morning? <laughs> but he was real with God. That's what the Lord wants, is us to be real with him and to simply trust him and to watch him work by his spirit in our lives. And who gets the credit? The Lord gets the credit. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning for your word and for this special time that you've blessed us with to be together. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters would take away the things from your heart this morning. That we would continue to grow in grace. And the knowledge of you.
1: The experience of what supreme love really is and what it means to each and every one of us. And I think we'll all be in agreement that we don't deserve it. So, I challenge you guys to make an effort. And if you guys are struggling today and even now with the issue of love and forgiveness, remember the grace upon grace upon grace. As much grace has been given to you, pass it on. Don't keep it. Let your life so shine. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. Your Holy Spirit has moved this morning, and we are so grateful to uh, to hear your word. And I pray that, Lord, that it has been landed in good soil, Father God, in that you will provide an increase, dear Lord. And I pray for uh, my brothers and sisters here, those that are having difficulties with love. Father God, you would just minister to them even now.